Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that talks not to the employer, not to the manager, but to you, the worker on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Wooded. As we approach the end of the year, we near both the launch of the book Outgrow Your Space by Rick Witted and the launch of the online career assessment. And so today, we want to give you, our faithful listeners, an inside look at Outgrow Your Space. What you are about to hear is a recent speech done by Rick on the book Outgrow Your Space and the research it encompasses. Enjoy the show. And so this book talks about steps that you can take to build a career. And it started on a conversation I had with an employee that I called Jacob in the book uh, to protect the, the innocent, right? So I, his name is Jacob. And I remember one day coming out uh, of my office and he came to me with a great smile. I mean, he was a talented guy. And we had the conversation. And he was my top performer by far. And the question was, Rick, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've got this. I've, I've mastered this. How do I get promoted? And before I knew it, I had said to him, well, Jacob, you don't get promoted. You outgrow your space. But he looked at me like I had a third eye. And I said, you see, you keep doing your job really well, and then you're going to outgrow what you're doing. And when I see that, I'll put you in a bigger space. And that really has been my life. And so I wrote this book. Now, this book is really about attitude, right? So most of you, all of you in here are business owners. Am I correct about that? Oh, so I know you're really eating this food I'm cooking right now. You, I know you've, has anyone not had this conversation? Exactly. I knew it. I'm, I'm with kindred spirits here, right? So the book is about attitude. And really, there's three parts to the attitude that makes any person in their career propel, right? It's attitude about my job, attitude about the people around me, and attitude about the company I work for. And there's nine steps. But I'm not talking about those steps today because you might not buy the book if I do that. <laughs> All right? The first third of the book is about what is going on inside of me. And there's two questions that I really try to address in that book. One is, why do I want a promotion in the first place? And as I started writing this book, I asked that question all the time. And I got things like, well, can I just tell you what I got? I got status and stuff. That's what I got. Why do you want a promotion? Well, because, you know, I make more money. But why? Well, be, you know, so my career can grow and I can, but why? Well, so that I can provide more for my family. But why? I finally would get them to the place where they go, that's a good question, I don't know. You know what's really weird? Most of us never even ask the question, why do I want a promotion? We don't even ask. We're just supposed to get a promotion, why? Well, in kindergarten, I went to first grade, I was promoted. First grade to second grade, I was promoted. College, I was promoted. It's in our culture. And so we don't ask the question, why in the first place do I even want to be promoted? Then there's a second question. What is a promotion to me? So let me take a quick survey in the room. I'm going to ask a question. I, I, you're going to think you know the answer, and you might, so we're going to see. 
right? So, do you live to work or do you work to live? Before you, before we participate, let me give you the word picture. Look at your calendar. Do you bump life events for work activity more than you bump work events for life activities? How many live to work? How many work to live? How, ooh, look, now I got some hands. I saw some teeth going, oh, man, you're making me deal with stuff I just haven't dealt with, right? That's what this is about. How many of you are late to the soccer game or the personal event or you reschedule the doctor's appointment for work more than you change a work activity or a work schedule for the soccer game? or the doctor's appointment? Who cancels work appointments more than they do life appointments? No. I'll see. So that's just a bad setup on the whole question. Let me ask you differently. Grab your imaginary pencil. How many of you have a five o'clock personal activity and then a work issue comes up and you erase the five o'clock personal activity. I'm seeing heads. How many do that? Okay. So do we really work to live or do we live to work? The question I want you to think about is why? Why? Why are our careers so important to us. And I got some ideas about that I want to share. So it starts with these two questions again. Why do I want a promotion anyway? And why is progressing in my career so important to me? Can I tell you why? Here's my theory. You're trying to answer a question that you were made to answer. You were designed to press forward towards something. You were designed for it. And you're trying to use work to answer that question, and most of us don't even know it. Here's the question. Is my life moving forward? We ask it all the time. Should I be in this relationship? Is this moving forward? Is it progressing? Should I be with these friends? Are they good for me still? Am I moving forward? I'm going to give you some stats to back up what I'm saying. Bureau of Labor Statistics said this. We spend 8.8 .8 hours of our 24-hour work week working. We spend more time working than we do anything else. The second closest thing is sleep. It's 7.7 .7 hours. Take away sleep. Now you've got about 16 hours of an awake day. Look at the red. That's how much of your awake day is work. So without even knowing it, you spend more of your life on the stage of work than you do personally. You spend more time working than you do with your loved ones. You spend more time working than you do exercising. Even in America, you still spend more time working than you do watching TV. And that's why this work-life thing is so hard. It really is hard. 
It's hard because you actually spend most of life on the stage of work when you're awake. And so without knowing it, we begin to measure our life by work. We ask that question, am I moving forward? Here's how I know that. My mom loves me to death. My dad loved me to death. You get the big three when they, they're talking about me. They talk about my wife. They talk about my kids. And they talk about work. Well, he, he's a national manager. He does da 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 da. How is work a part of the big three? When did work become a part of the big three? But we all do it. Give you another one. When you meet someone for the first time, within 10 to 15 minutes of that conversation, Michael said it. What, what are you going to ask? What do you do? So what do you do? And when you do that, here's what's happening. Tape measure's coming out. So let me see. You're what? Your national man, you've been in that job how long? <laughs> right? It's what we do. And so we use work to measure life. Again, we're just asking a very basic question and we don't realize it. Is my life moving forward? Let me bring this home. Right? So the APA, the American Psychological Association, they, they do a survey, a poll every year. They're trying to determine stress. What do you think is the number one stressor in American adults? Number two. Life. <laughs> I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> Top stress creators for America, number one is money. 64% of adults say money stresses them out. Number two is work. 60%, almost as much, two out of three people in this room are stressed out, and it's work-related. Now, that's okay, but you know what's really impactful is what work beats out. Family responsibilities and health concerns by a large margin. You don't know it, but you're using work to measure, is my life moving forward? We all do. And it makes work emotional, very emotional. Let me prove that to you. Two and a half million people quit their job every month. Every month. That stat has been consistent since the government started tracking it over a decade and a half ago. As a matter of fact, in 2014, it reached a high peak of 2.8 million. On average, every month, someone quits their job. Now, the big elephant in the room is that we say corporate America businesses, they're just not loyal. There's only 1.6, only. 1.6 million layoffs on average a month have occurred consistently. People quit a million more than are laid off or fired or separate from a company. Big elephant in the room. Why? Because work's emotional. There's a survey that Gallup did, and it showed nine reasons people say they quit their employer. I, just, I, I can't get away from so Work expectations are unclear. Now, I will tell you, when you look, well, let me get through them. Lack of resources and tools to do my job right. I'm unable to do what I do best every day. The company doesn't care about me. No one has taken a vested interest in developing me. My opinion doesn't matter. My job isn't important to the overall goals of the company. My coworkers are not committed to quality work, and I'm not learning and growing in this job. Those are the nine reasons people say they quit. Now, interestingly, I will tell you that about 70% of those managers do have influence. 
And it does speak to how important a manager is to the workforce. But the one thing about this book that's a little different is that I'm not talking to managers. There's enough books out there. There's enough talking heads talking to managers and leaders. This is not a leadership book. It's not a leadership book at all. This book is for the workers on the workplace floor. Because there's some things that you got to do for your career to move forward. You own your career, 100% of it. And as a worker, what you cannot do is change your boss's mind. But you can change your attitude. Work is emotional. Look at these nine reasons people say they're quit. they quit. Now I line those up with the nine reasons people end everyday personal relationship. And I found that they were very similar. I'm confused as to what you're expecting from me. What do you want in this relationship? I'm not equipped to handle what you believe you need from this relationship. I'm unable to be who I am best in this relationship. You care about yourself more than you care about me. You haven't shown any interest in my personal needs. My opinion doesn't matter, so why should I say anything at all? I know none of you have said that in your relationships in here. I'm obviously getting in the way of your personal aspirations. Maybe we should just separate. Your friends are not healthy for us to build a quality relationship, and I'm not growing in this relationship. Same emotional sentiments. I have not met anyone who have made a career decision for the most part, who did not think 100% of the time it was logical. And I would say beware. Work's emotional. And when someone enters a work agreement, it's a relationship. And it's a relationship between two people. Yes, there's a company and there are individual workers, but there are people who represent that company who engage with people who say, I will work for you. And I am telling you, the emotional dynamic in a personal relationship is no different than at work. But we're not aware of it. And because we're not aware of the emotional drivers, two and a half million people say, I'm out of here. But I'm not done. Just when you thought, as a group of owners, that that was enough, I want to share with you a Gallup stat. Gallup took a poll and said, how many people are engaged in the workplace? How many workers are engaged? Here's what they found out. Only 29% of workers are actually engaged at work. 29%. They also took a survey. It's called the State of the American Manager. Gallup, and this is huge, comprehensive study they do. It's 27 million employees, 2.5 million work sites, and they found that only 35% of your managers are engaged at work. So let me show you how they define that. And so by the way, the 29%, that's America and Canada, and those are the best. The global average is 13%. <clears throat> What's the definitions? 29% of people are engaged. They are personally and emotionally connected to the objectives and the goals of your business. 54% are not engaged. What does that mean? Pay me. Five o'clock, 
If you're by the door, you might get hurt. <laughs> I'm here to collect a check. I'm not personally connected. I have nothing against it. I'm satisfied, actually. Just pay me and get out of the way at closing time. This one will scare you. 18% of workers are actively disengaged. They don't want to be there. They know they have to be there. They're a little upset that they have to be there and they can't see anything that's great about being here. It's the person that's sitting at the board table when you're having the meeting and everybody silently is going, please don't let Charlie speak, please don't let Charlie speak, please don't let Charlie speak, and Charlie speaks. And everything becomes a buzzkill. Let me give you the picture of that. Think of an American workplace. Think of your place. Look in your parking lot. And here's what I'm saying to you. Seven out of the 10 cars in that parking lot don't want to be there. Why? Because work's emotional, but we don't realize it. And the number one reason that I see careers falter often is because we do not understand the emotional drivers behind the decisions we make in our career. Now, I gotta add this, managers and business leaders also don't. You've been listening to episode 39 of season two of On Your Way to Work. Part one of a speech by Rick Whitten on the book, Outgrow Your Space. As always, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash R.A. Whitted. Tweet us at R.A. Whitted or send us an email at rick at R.A. Once again, be on the lookout for the launch of the online career assessment by early December and for the launch of the book, Outgrow Your Space by Rick Whitted on January 5th, 2016. And finally, join us next week for part two of this presentation. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week.